everyone, and welcome to a Facebook post and a podcast uh, concerning part two of the divine path to tilt the floor and win the loss. This is a very important message that I wanted both our Facebook family and our podcast family to be able to begin to understand. And so we're trying our best to share it with you. Our text, foundation text, is from Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 3, where we see Paul talking about the three parts of the individual who is a child of wrath, being the flesh, the mind, and their nature. And so we're going to come on and talk some more about that as we move forward today. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for the Word of God. Open our eyes that we can see and our ears that we can hear and our heart that we can understand what the Word of God is saying to us and then allow us to be changed, applied to our lives so that we're changed in the image of your dear Son. Jesus, speak to us through the Holy Spirit. Show us what we need to know, do, understand, and demonstrate. We'll receive it and release it to your people. We'll give you praise and honor and glory for every bit of it in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, who is our high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. Before I get into the, the teaching today, I want to tell you and remind you to contact me at springston56 at gmail.com, mikespringstonministries.com, ffcma.org, or through Family Fellowship Chapel's direct messaging. We would love to hear from you this week. We have heard uh, from people on this podcast and through Facebook from the Middle East, and we are so glad to be sharing the Word of God with you. So today we're looking into part two of the divine path to tilt the floor and win the lost. The other day I was listening to a radio show, and it was very interesting as it was focused on evangelism and and, uh, world missions. As the show progressed, the story concerning someone who had worked with the ministry was shared, As the story went, the person who was sharing Christ had come out of a dark place, and that dark place made them question and doubt a lot of things concerning who they were with respect to their Christian life. After being counseled through their time of darkness, they continued to share Christ with many in foreign lands, and as the story was told, thousands received Christ as their team shared. It's a great story, but in reality it follows along the message that Paul is preaching to the Gentiles in Ephesians chapter 2. It also falls into line with the message of which we as Christians seem to desire as we uh, make every attempt to eliminate um, things that Jesus knew we would need in the process of being able to become a witness for Christ. Some say, and it was stated, that as soon as you're saved, the new believers should get out and begin to tell their story. What is it about one's story that should be told when it comes to know Jesus Christ? The only thing to which one can truly affirm is that there has been an experience that changed their mind. They can't witness to anything else uh, beyond that because they've not experienced anything else at this point. The change of mind, my friend, is a great thing, but it's far from the only thing. And Paul acknowledges that in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 3 when he tells us 
of the depth of darkness that those that are the children of wrath following the prince of the power of the air are engulfed in. They're not just in it in their mind, they're in it in their flesh, and they're in it in their very nature. So, um, for years, the knock on the greatest evangelistic ministry that the world has ever known that came through the great Dr. Billy Graham, um, who ministered and led countless of people, uh, thousands, millions even of people to Christ, was that there was no follow-up. Now, what exactly is this term follow-up? Is it churching people? Is it building relationships with people? Is it befriending people? Is it spending time with people? Is it creating programs for people? Is it creating entertainment um, needs for people so that they can feel like when they come to church that they're being entertained? What exactly is it? This term is used. What it is, what needs to happen, is a term that is used in the NIV concerning Jesus' words in Matthew 28, 19. And that brings us to a truth concerning what Jesus expected of those who were to be witnesses unto him. He said, therefore, go and make disciples. Make disciples of all nations. Well, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So how exactly do we make disciples? None of the ideas promoted earlier as follow-ups to the greatest crusades that have ever been known, established by Dr. Graham, would meet the criteria for the actual execution of the term discipling. So what is it that must be done? Well, the answer is found in verse 20 of Matthew 28. And teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. There is a command in the Scripture provided by Jesus to follow me. Paul made that same command, and I'm going to show it to you in just a minute. Discipling is only executed whenever we are taught how to follow Him. Again, the question is, where do we follow Him? And the answer is, we follow Him wherever He went and wherever He goes. Why is that? The answer to that will be revealed to you as this podcast unfolds. But as we go there, we must recognize and understand that a changed mind is not the only requirement for following Jesus Christ. A changed mind without regard to the things that influence the mind and without addressing the things um, that is not in the nature of man means that the work of the changing mind of which we've come into probably, more than likely, will not be sustainable. Why? Because there's more. There are more places to go to follow Him. There's more development required. Paul taught us all of it. As I've heard people share their story, I've often heard these words come from their mouth during their conversation. They would say things like, Yes, I understand your struggle because I am saved, but I struggle with the same things. I struggle with sin daily, for you know all of sin that comes short of the glory of God. But I believe grace has covered me. Therefore, well, 
we, I, you know, I've got my mind fixed to just go on and know that He loves me. And as long as I know that, my friend, as long as you would come to Christ and know that He loves you, everything will be all right. This would, in fact, be the comments of those who simply took a change of mind because they would struggle with their flesh as deeply as they did before. Their mind has changed, but they would struggle with the fleshly activities as deeply as they did before. The common things would be as much a problem to them as they were before. But Paul said that God has made a way of escape. Hmm, isn't that interesting? Those that come into this mind change would struggle with their sin nature as much as ever. But their message turns out to be all of Jesus and none of me. My friends, that's a deadly and destructive message. Now, it would be true if the cross was the culminating, the finishing activity concerning the actions of Jesus Christ. But it's not. It's the beginning. It's the catalyst of actions of which a believer must enter. It's the entry point. It is also the reason that many in our world are very deceived by the messaging that they have heard concerning the ministry of Jesus Christ. Now, what's the outcome? It's a world that's very deceived by common things. Those common things are things that are sins of the flesh that Paul identified in Galatians 5 uh, when he talked about the works of the flesh and those three major factors, lust, lust, and pride. And so, uh, as we're deceived in the messaging concerning the ministry of Jesus Christ, we are living among the common things that are spewing out of us that we, we feel guilty about until all of a sudden we don't anymore because we convince ourselves that we are saved and that that just is God's problem. So when it comes to ministry, evangelism and witnessing to our world, my friend, now listen to what I'm about to say. We're never going to throw down a little God in the lives of people by using parallel operations. In other words, nothing that is equal will ever gain control of something that is another equal. Because neither has anything the other wants or needs. So, when a, when, a, when a man is steeped in disobedience to where his mind, flesh, and his nature are steeped in the pattern of disobedience that encircles him in being a child of wrath, you have nothing that you're going to offer him when you're equal to him. So in our day, we do our best to try to do business in the spirit world on equal terms with those who are in darkness, where my light is matched with their darkness. And my friend, there'll be no overcomer there. Darkness in an unbeliever's heart and light that's been placed in the heart of the believer in the content of their character uh, as, as, as darkness, it, light to you is as deep as if you are able to follow what I teach 
and what I'm sharing you that Paul taught, not what I taught, about the, the, the mechanisms to get into the place where your mind, flesh, and, and nature are changed, then you would be operating on equal terms. Equal terms still does not mean that you are going to be a witness that wins the lost. If you're operating out of this mind change, then you are not operating on equal ground. You are actually operating on a much lower plane in the spiritual economy. So, as we in our day try to do business in the spiritual world on equal terms, which we're really not, with those who are in darkness, my light is matched to their darkness, and there's going to be no overcomer. The darkness in an unbeliever's heart and the light that has been placed in my heart or in the believer's heart is, is something that we must have at a minimum on an equal playing field. They're as dark, my friends, as we can become light if we remain only in the works that were done by Jesus in the earth. Think about that. In the one whose spirit is light, there is no need for darkness. And in the one whose spirit is darkness, there is no need for light. There must be a means that we can possess as a believer that can pierce the darkness. This is the only means that the one in light has to unlevel the playing floor. Otherwise, we're either going to be unequal if we remained in just a mind state uh, change. We're going to be unequal if we only die to the flesh. But you wouldn't do that because no one is telling you that because no one is teaching the Word of God under the revelation of Paul's ministry. And you would become equal on an equal plane to the children of wrath whenever you were changed of mind, changed of flesh, and changed of nature. Then you become equal. Now you can operate in a parallel plane. But you're, you're, the witnessing that we are doing from our story is not on a parallel plane. And that's why most people refuse to even make the attempt to be a witness. Because when they get started, the, the unbeliever is so more deeply versed in their nature and in their flesh that they shoot us out of the water because all we're operating from is this is what Jesus did for me. And I understand you because I was in deep sin like you are and, and sin engulfed me in sin and sin and sin and sin and they say, oh yes, oh yes, oh yes, I, I know about that sin, baby. And that sin satisfies me, glory to God. And then they'll look at you and say, sounds like to you, I'm as good as you are. And you never operate on equal footing. Well, someone would say to me, but, uh, uh, Pastor Mike, you're talking about the piercing nature, the thing that must pierce darkness, and I have the Holy Spirit or I wouldn't have light. Well, that in, to an extent is absolutely true. But you do not have the ability to possess your light beyond your story. Now, I want to say that again. You don't have the ability to possess your light beyond your story. Because of this, your light will be shared with as much understanding of their darkness as you have an understanding of your light. Now think about that. I shared this with you how this would work just a few lines ago. 
You'll have as much more understanding about their darkness than you will about your light. Why? Because you have only come into a change of mind. And the, the light that you have is never going to exceed the place that you are in the plan of salvation. You have to go deeper. Because we, as we turn back to Paul's witness, now I want you to see this. As he witnessed to the Gentiles, his witness changed the trajectory of the complete Gentile world. Paul wasn't operating from the vision of Jesus. He wasn't operating from his story. He wasn't operating from what happened on the road to Damascus. No, no. By the way, this is where most of you are trying to function in your witness. And that's why the table is not equal. And you are two steps even below the education level of a non-believer. Because you're trying to operate from your story. Now this is where your story comes from. And, and this is why your story is great. But it's not the answer to being a witness for Christ that's going to tilt the table and win the lost. So let's see where Paul is operating from. Paul is operating from an experience that he had also in Damascus, but also on a street that was called Straight, that came to him from a man named Ananias who was sent by Jesus Christ specifically to do a couple things. Let's look at it. Acts 9, 10, and 11, and 12. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. Behold, he prayeth. And hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. What was about to happen to Paul took his story all into another depth. That story that Paul had was a great one and he told it. But it was what happened to him from the hand of Ananias that changed the Gentile world. Because it, what happened to him was the ability given to him by God to penetrate a man's heart and to demonstrate the power of God through him. His story was good. It, it was touching. It was even gripping. But it was not until Ananias came to him that he truly began to see. Then it was the next phase of what Ananias shared that transformed Paul so that he could uh, complete the calling that had been placed upon his life. Look at it, Acts 9, 17 and 18. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands upon him said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest. I know your story, Paul. I understand your story. I got you. But he sent me for something else because your story isn't enough. He sent me that you can truly receive your sight and that you can be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. Paul was equipped quite differently than we have allowed ourselves to be. He has received an infilling of the endowment from power, of the power from on high, of which we said in most of our doctrinal churches and denominational churches that we don't need. 
But when Paul was going into a land that was steeped in idolatry, God was preparing him for that message and that mission. And I want you to see this. It went beyond his story. It went way beyond his story, actually. Now, I want you to see what Paul taught because this is crucial. It's crucial that we understand how to level the playing for and become equal with the mentation of the spiritual nature of which we're dealing with in this world. He was crucified with Christ. According to his writings in Galatians 2.20, his mind was changed. He was, he was crucified in his flesh according to Galatians 5.24. So now he died to his flesh. He took a complete change of nature according to his writings in 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 21. Paul covered all of the aspects of the actions of Jesus Christ. As Christ walked, he walked. And then he said, I want you to follow me in Christ as I follow Christ. 1 Corinthians 11, 1. It was through this following that Paul learned how to work out his own salvation. He learned how to die daily. It was through their responses to the acts of Jesus that Paul learned to bring his body under subjection. It was through the following that he found grace that would be stronger than even his greatest weakness. Paul came under the plan of salvation in each of the actions of Jesus, and he came under the favor and the influence of grace as he was developed in him. Now think about this for a minute, friends. Jesus Christ realized that for Paul to step into the environment of idol worshipers and people who had no experience with anything concerning himself, he would require that the path of life that came through the making alive in Paul by the spirit of life that was in Christ Jesus had to be completely exposed to him. So the replications of those actions by Jesus were all completed in Paul. Now Paul has escaped. He's escaped into life. He has done so on an equal basis to the ones to whom he will share the gospel. Now I want to stop right here and tell you Paul isn't done yet. Paul has just brought himself on an equal structure and an equal foundation in his mind delivered from his flesh and depositing his sin nature. Now Paul, on the earthly side, has made himself absolutely equal to those that are the children of wrath. What a, what a, what a thing you need to know. Now, so the replications of those actions by Jesus were all completed in Paul. Paul escapes into light. He has done so on an equal basis to the one of whom he will share the gospel. Now, Paul is not sharing with us in the scriptures the three that I've shared with you concerning what Ananias did with him. I'm going to share that. But I want you to see how Paul leveled the playground. Now, they came under the power, his adversary came under the power of the prince of the air with respect to their ability to be disobedient. That made them the children of wrath. What were their areas of disobedience? Well, they were disobedient in the flesh, the mind, and their nature. What does it foster in them? They're living under the law of sin and death. Paul teaches this in Romans 8. Paul has now come under a new spirit. That is the spirit of life that's in Christ Jesus. 
he says that he is in him as one who is obedient to the paths of life and peace as taught in Romans 8. He's been made by the one who knew no sin, but who became sin to be made the force of the actions of righteousness of God that is given to us in Christ Jesus according to 2 Corinthians 5. Now, Paul can operate with them on a spiritual-to-spiritual plane. The saint is operating on equal terms. Light coming from righteousness of a spirit life that has made Paul and you and me, for that matter, free. But, in order for us to get there, we have to follow Jesus. Darkness has been entangled into the minds of our opposition, into the flesh and into their nature. It is a path that has a law that is leading them to death and they're happy about it. The mind, they mind the things of their flesh that come from their nature. So where are we at this particular point? Well, we're doing what Paul said. We're minding the things of the Spirit. So spiritual to spiritual, now we stand for the first time on equal strength and equal footing. Here is the beauty of what now is available to us. We're not left in the plan of God to remain simply as the righteousness of God. If we do, then this is what's going to happen. And it is happening in our world today in a tremendous way. Divisions, tremendous divisions concerning the message of darkness and the message of light. And those divisions can never be solved. Obviously, the stand in death, they stand in death and we stand in life. So the turmoil between the two, the struggle between the two is going to continue. Movement now will be completed as their message of death is heard and agreed upon by those that hear that message. Now, which message do you think would be the easiest for one to gravitate to? Well, of course, it's the life of self-satisfaction, the fulfillment of self-desire, the entertaining of things that we lust for. So their mind, flesh, and nature will seem to be gaining momentum. This momentum continues for one reason and one reason alone. Now, we, have, we now understood how to get on equal footing. But we do not understand how to cross the gulf and say in the gulf that we have the ability to be talking from some sort of a power and a strength. No, we can be equal. We can have this division of thought, this division of light and darkness. But we fail to find the mechanism and the means to put us into a position where we can begin, as Paul did with the Gentiles, to tell them about the grace and the riches of the mercy of God. And then watch what Paul watched happen in the Gentile world. So this continues for one reason. Now we understand, we understand in our church system how to be saved. And I say that we understand it to some degree. But we don't understand what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. 
He said, be ye followers of me even as I am following Christ. Nor do we have any idea concerning what Paul meant in the statement in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 through 17. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press to the mark of the uh, prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore as many as be perfect be thus minded, and if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal it to you. Nevertheless, whereunto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, and let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk, as ye have us for an example. Paul is pressing forward, my friend. Paul didn't stop at equality. Paul didn't stop when he got his mind, his flesh, and his sin nature under control. Paul is pressing forward to, to apprehend, to take what's coming next. He is coming forward to apprehend what lay ahead for him. There's a mark of the high calling to which Paul is leading us. His instructions are to be like-minded. And if you are not like-minded, Paul is saying, may God reveal that to you. Unfortunately, my friends, we've, we have ceased in like-mindedness. Why? Because we chose to stay in the intellectualism of the mind. That's why I say we really do not understand what being saved means. Now my time is up for this session. And I'm going to stop here. I'm not done with this by any means. I'm finished for today. But I want you to understand that there is a path. And there is a way that we must follow. And we are losing the battle in the earth realm, not because the, the way has not been paved for us to win, but because we have chosen an avenue that has separated us from the plan of victory. Now, I want to say that again. We have chosen an avenue that has separated us from the plan of victory, and we have done so with intention, and we have called it following a great commission of which we are neither following nor executing. How would we know? Because we have come to this place of division in our land where we are not as we are called to in that plan, winning the loss at any cost. Any cost does not mean how much money we throw at it. It means how deep of a price are we willing to pay to win the prize and apprehend the things that Jesus Christ has done on our behalf. We're not willing to do that. We want to throw money at it. We want to send ill-prepared people out to do it. We want to send ill-prepared people out to tell a story and grip someone's heart and then walk away from them and then look up a week later and say, what about how I act? What about my anger? What about my inclinations? What about my nature? What about how I feel about this? And then the enemy tells them, oh, don't worry about it. Remember he said, grace had it all. God is not at all judging you for that. He's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And we, because of our misrepresentation, misunderstanding, because of our ill-preparedness, have opened the door for the devil to come in 
and devour because we don't know the word of truth and we don't understand the message and we have tried to operate in a spiritual world from an unequal position. Father, I pray that you bless your word. I pray that you will open our eyes that we can see truth and that we might come in to this truth as Paul taught it and that we might be able in a Gentile world to tilt this floor until the Holy Ghost is working through us to win the lost at any cost, knowing that that cost means that I must press deeper and find, apprehend it, take what lay ahead of me, and that as I take what lay ahead of me, that there will be a prize of the great reward of the actions and replications of Jesus Christ as He ministers through me to minister life to His people. I ask it all in the lovely name of Jesus Christ who is my high priest, my Lord, my man, and the Godhead. May God richly bless you. I'm not done, but I'm finished. Friends, find Him as Lord. You'll find Him there as the minister to you in your world. Find Him as the man in the Godhead and there He's going to speak to you, show you great and mighty things that are to come. May God richly bless you until we speak again.